Hey everybody, welcome back to the Making It Music podcast. This week though, we're a little bit different. We're a bit of a visual recording as well, which hopefully we'll have it out to you. I hope you guys are all keeping safe. This whole COVID 2019 has really thrown us all, um, knocked us for six and is scaring quite a few people out there. Don't be worried. We're going to be in this maybe quote unquote lockdown maybe for a little while and then we'll be back at it. But until then, we have stuff like Zoom and Skype and red teapots to keep us happy. Welcome, Fionn. <laughs> Everybody, I'd like to introduce Fionn O'Halloon. Hello, darling. How are you? Nice Hello. cup of tea I'm, to start yourself off. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Nice cup of berry tea to get things going. <laughs> I saw actually something on Facebook today. It was like, finally, the Barry versus Lions debate has been answered because in the supermarkets, it's Barry's is all sold out and there's still oh boxes God. of Lions. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I didn't actually say Barry. I said Berry. But, uh, Berry. Ooh, fancy I, I would man. be a Barry's man myself, really. I mean, it's little value Berry tea. Don't get carried away in it. <laughs> I go for the Tesco own brand myself, you know, the forest. Oh, but Tesco's further away and I'm very lazy. Yeah, that being that. <laughs> and I think there might be less queues in Little. I think they have a little bit more of a grounding on the whole situation. I, Tesco I sees their queues just, every time. Yeah, they're generally more efficient when it comes to the till, I think. Yeah. Oh my God. This whole thing has turned all of us in our heads, I think, especially yourself and myself as musicians. Yes. How are you getting on? Like, what's what's the story with you? Many gigs have been cancelled, especially... Actually, oh. I never even introduced you guys to Fionn. Fionn is our first trad session musician on the show. Very happy to have you on, especially on the day like St. Patrick's Day. It's very fitting. Uh, not oh, only yeah. does Fionn <laughs> play the illan pipes, you play the whistle, flute, you're also a traditional Irish singer. Fionn has uh, gigged all over the world bringing traditional music around the world, a traditional Irish music. How has this affected you? How has the COVID 19 kind of been for you? You're a teacher like myself, but you're also a a session player and especially around st patrick's day like oh god yeah. yeah i mean i think i think i'm in the same boat with a lot of trad musicians in that paddy's day is kind of traditionally a big income day mm. and this year it's it's very much a low income day i mean even though i did teach a load of lessons over zoom this morning Ooh, on so zoom. There's, there's a little bit there to keep you going but uh, basically last thursday afternoon so Tishoff made a speech in the morning. By five o'clock, I was 100% unemployed. Yeah. It was, it's scary. It was pretty scary. And I'm actually, one of my day jobs is that I also sing opera. Wow. And that's so that cool. was a pretty shocking thing. We were, I, I'm in the, I was working with the chorus for Irish National Opera. Carmen. We'd literally, Carmen, that's the one. <gasps> We literally had the Zitzpoba on Wednesday. The Zitzpoba is the big rehearsal with a musical mm. rehearsal with the full orchestra. And so, yeah, Thursday morning I heard the news and the rest of the day I was sitting there anxiously refreshing my emails. Yeah. We had a rehearsal call for half two. Let's put it that way. I was kind of going, okay, well, if I don't get an email, I'm getting a bus in 10 minutes. And yeah, the email came sadly. But uh, so that was annoying because that was a really great project to work on. Do, it was going think, so well. I know a bit about karma because karma, Carmen, um, because a uh, person I work with, his boyfriend is in it, and 
But for those who don't know about Carmen, Carmen is coming to Dublin. Please, well, hopefully, maybe it's going to be postponed for now. But tell it's us about this project you've been doing because I didn't even know that you're involved in the opera scene. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in the chorus. Who's your friend's boyfriend? I might know them. I don't I mean, know the boyfriend's name. <laughs> very well. Very well. Yeah, so I was in the chorus. I've been in with Irish National Opera Chorus quite a lot over the last year. I, the first show I did with them was uh, Aida, which I did. They they got students in to bolster the numbers of the full chorus and I've kind of been doing stuff with their chorus ever since which has been great this particular project is maybe one of the best I've done um alongside Cenerentola which we had just just a couple of a couple of months ago um and when was it meant to was, kick off it was meant to it should be tech week this week should have been tech week should have been shows next week but we'll do it again. We'll do it. It's on the books. It's postponed. They're waiting for the next possible date. Yeah. So but that's the kind National of went... Opera Course. What is that? How did you get involved in that? Um. Well, I suppose I went to study the Illan pipes yeah. at DIT mm-hmm. because that's that's where I was sure that was what I was doing. That was that, and I joined the choir in DIT, and then things kind of escalated a little bit i got introduced to a, a vocal one of the vocal teachers in dit basically uh one of his students at the time matthew mannion was singing in the choral society as well in college and he was always kind of standing next to me in the bass section going oh giving me bits of vocal hints and then at some stage he said oh you should come see my teacher come see my teacher and yeah and then things escalated and i went and did a bit of an opera course in Blindborn, and i've been doing opera singing alongside my degree for the whole duration of my degree, which is finished now. And yeah, I just kind of fell into things that way and auditions and competitions and bits around. That's really cool. That's excellent. Well, one thing I know we've kind of skipped past it. Um, one thing I like to do on this podcast is a bit of this or that. And I really want to link back to you starting off in the Olympic pipes and stuff like that. But I will do a this or that because I planned a specifically 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 uh irish this or that for you this week so i don't know if you've listened to the podcast before but what we like to do is i'll give you six artists or bands or whatever uh two at a time and you just pick the first one that comes to your head which one you prefer first one that comes to your head oh fun okay yeah let's yeah? go okay fantastic so first one up the chieftains versus the saw doctors chieftains Yes. No question. No question. Okay. <laughs> Next one, Luke Kelly or Mundy? Luke Kelly. I mean, he's a legend. Mundy is great, but Luke Kelly Luke is. Luke like, Kelly. Uh, I'm liking we're on the same page at the moment. I'm a bit more like, ooh, Sock Doctors, Chieftains. Like, it's pretty even, but definitely Luke Kelly. Um, mm. And then last one, The Cores versus U2. Look! Oh, I don't like any of those. (laughs) None of the above. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Not even the cores. Not really. No. Not for me. Not for me. Okay. Well. Um, I. I mean. I. You know. They're objectively good. If. If that's what you're into. But it's not what I'm into. How about the cores or you two or the cranberries? Neither. None of them. Not even a third. Probably the cranberries this is from having i don't really listen to any of them very much 
but I worked in a music shop. I worked in Clatter Records for ah, about nice. two years in the Westmoreland store, which which closed, which is when I stopped working there. Um, so I have sampled all three of them, and I'd say probably the Cranberries. But <laughs> again, pull that opinion into my mm, chest, <laughs> put it into my beard, and it's going to disappear forever. <laughs> oh, but that's pretty good, though. Um, well, at least I know just to never buy you a chorus or a U two CD. Or there you go. Yeah, I'm buying being CD to be honest in a while. Um, but. Let's go back. Let's just circle way back to your beginnings. So Ireland is a very musical country. That is to be said, there's more like out of five people, probably three of them play one instrument. Maybe the fourth plays three. Like it's very, it's very unlikely. Yeah. It's very unlikely you'll walk into a room in Ireland and someone will be like, no, I don't play an instrument at all. You know, I've never touched one. Um, but there's so many different genres of music in Ireland and especially, I know you're originally from Wicklow, but on the east side of Ireland, traditional music sometimes can be left to the side. And a lot of people will either lead towards like classical or rock and roll if they're guitar players and stuff. Mm. What made you go for traditional? And actually, what made you go for the Illin Pipes? Of all instruments. Was that okay. your first one or was there something That's, else for that? It wasn't. So it's a slightly linear story. Um, linear as in it starts with the whistle and it ends with the pipes. Uh- um, <laughs> and I suppose the interesting thing is I moved to Wicklow with my parents and my brother at the time when I was about four. Before that, we were actually both of us born in Berlin. Me ma's German. Wow. So we moved to Bray then and we were, our parents were bringing us up. This is, this is actually my dad's house where he grew up. This was his room at one stage. There's a little tiny punk bed just above my head <laughs> where he used to sleep. Um, and his family are all fluent Irish speakers. So we were actually raised with German and Irish. So, so I suppose, English was like a third language almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I actually, I didn't really speak it well till I was about 10-ish. Really? Um, which was a funny one. So socially, that meant we were kind of maybe more inclined to particular circles than others. Yeah, fair. Um, so we, we went to a Gale school because that was just the easiest option. And also, having a bilingual education is generally good. Yeah, very um, good. But yeah, so I suppose the Gale School is where I first got whistle lessons. Um, but we had music before that. We had music at home. We would, my parents, there's always music on in the background. There still is. There's uh, the CD player is like the centerpiece of the living room. Never mind the TV or anything like that. It's, yeah. That's, that's kind of there. And there's a few Bluetooth speakers knocking around now as well. So there's always something on. And I think the main bands are artists and stuff that I listened to growing up would have been Keela. Keela were my favourite when I was a kid. Uh, Queen, The Chieftains and Liam O'Flynn. Would have been I, I really of... like how Queen managed to sneak itself in there. <laughs> like, of course. Of course Queen had, had to sneak itself in there. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. who, I mean, who doesn't? Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what was on in the car like, and in the kitchen and stuff. And then my mum listened to loads of classical music as well. Um, actually, I think the first music I ever owned was a cassette tape of uh, Leopold Mozart's uh, musical Sleigh Ride. Oh, uh, that's really sweet. He had, he had a children's symphony that he wrote as well. Um, 
funnily enough, everything that is it's everything trad for the next twenty years, and, mm. uh, <laughs> and then you kind of slip back into opera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, among other things. Um, so you started so, yeah, off so on the whistle. Started off on the whistle, and then in school initially, and kind of at home on my own as well. We got a little book, simply tin whistle, that I just used yeah. to entertain myself with. Mam was great for getting us to practice and showing us bits and bobs. Like she's kind of generally Good. musical. Yeah. And then yeah, so we did whistle lesson in school. Then my brother, more so than myself, because I was in school out of thirty-two kids, probably the shittest at the tin whistle. What well, made me stick to it? So we actually we moved on, and my brother started getting fiddle lessons in cultists because he's uh, he's the artistic one, really. Uh, he went on to study law and French. That's entirely beside the point. He's he's the artistic one, so he was the musical one as well. Um, so he was sent to whistle or to fiddle lessons, and since we were a similar age, it was just easier to get rid of both kids at the same time for the evening. Um, so I got stuck in the whistle lessons with one Jerry O'Donnell, who's a fantastic teacher. So I got whistle lessons there and kind of got better and all the cool kids because Jerry's a fantastic flute teacher all the cool kids were playing the flute so I moved from this stick with holes in it to this stick with holes in it a bigger stick with holes in it a bigger stick with holes it's harder to blow into <laughs> uh, slightly a little bit um and then then the other factor is that my family used to always go on holidays to a place called Balavrac in uh, Kirkusina in Kerry. Um, again, because it could speak to everyone there with no issues whatsoever. And there used to be a piper in Dingle called Con Durham. And when I was, I think, about 12 or 13, there was this one session, obviously in Trad, we have sessions all the time. So we meet and play music informally and have at the crack, which is fantastic. There was this one session which started at like six, which my mother decided that's a child-friendly time. In <laughs> you go. So I went one. in. She sat in the corner with her, I don't know what she was drinking. She didn't drink and drive. She was drinking her tea or something. And I sat down with like a club lemon in with the musicians and started talking to this guy who spoke Irish back to me. And you know, he was interested because I was a child and I was interested. And, not, and a child speaking great. Irish as well, who's not from the area, might be something big for them. <laughs> That too, yeah. Anyway, so he played the pipes, Con Durham. And then I had a lesson with him the next day. And now I have a load of sticks. <laughs> load all tied of... up into a bag. And yeah, that sort of happened. And then the reason that I still play and my brother doesn't was that I practiced and he didn't. Fair. That is normally um, the reason people become musicians is because they practice and other people didn't. But so after building up, going through from the whistle to the, like, to the traditional flute and then to the Ilum pipes, so you would already kind of immerse yourself in the traditional Irish scene, going to these sessions from a yeah. young age, and then you went into college. How did you find when like going from being already in the scene and then going into a college who are telling you about how to play in, in the scene. Do you know what I mean? Well, it, it was kind of a funny one because for one thing, the college that I went to, which is, it's now TU Dublin, it was DIT at the time. Yeah. Um, and the conservatory, most of the musicians in my year were classical musicians, right? There were, I think, three trads when we started. And out of those trads, I'm 
the only one that finished the course but I did there was other trads came in and out of my year it was kind of yeah, yeah a bit of a juggle people taking years out and coming back in later and stuff like that so it was a funny one part of the reason that I went to Dublin to study rather than say Limerick which was the other place that I auditioned for actually um was also the general music scene around so it wasn't yeah. I think going to music college generally for any type of music going to music college and going in there and just doing all your college stuff you end up living in a bit of a musical bubble definitely so actually for me going to college in Dublin where there's such a huge music scene was one way to avoid getting stuck in that bubble I suppose I I definitely um, agree yeah you kind of need that other side of playing especially when you're you need to play in the real world as well as in college the minute you step, step into college as a musician, you're not, just, you're not just a student anymore. You're a musician and a student, and you need to start yeah. building your career from when you get into college. Start yeah. making your, so, your connections then and start gigging yeah. then. And I feel having, having the music scene in Dublin during my degree was uh, hugely important. And yes. I mean, I'd been going to sessions there as a, as a teenager, really. I used to go busking loads in Dublin. So I had friends around who were all a couple of years older than me, but um, who were doing sessions and stuff. And I used to go into the cobblestone and places like that. And O'Donoghue's I used to go to loads. That's um, yeah. Huh? O'Donoghue's still open. It is, yeah, yeah. I haven't been there now in years because it's a bit, it's a bit mad. Yeah, uh, <laughs> crazy. <thing. laughs> little bit crazy, little bit crazy. But I mean, when I was... 14, 15, 16 and busking, so was I. So it's <laughs> it didn't appropriate, matter. I suppose. Didn't matter. No, 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 no. You had your um, rock and roll days back in 14, 15, not then. Oh, it's yeah, exactly. That, like, yeah. I, my my Johnny Doran days, as I called him. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Doran was a fantastic traveler piper. And uh, he was basically, that was Johnny Doran and Leo Rosen were like my idols when I was 14, 15. I will so was, be them. I will travel the world with my pipes on my back. Yeah, fast and furious and baiting away at the regulators and <laughs> putting in lots of, lots of crazy ornamentation and stuff. Um, well, my style has changed a little bit since then, but I still enjoy listening to that sort of yeah. stuff. It's great. Um, where was I going with this? Yeah, so I was kind of in the Dublin music scene already, as well as having... The, the other thing is... The, the main thing that I, the main place I kind of made friends musically was at festivals around when I was young. So at things like the Mehel Summer School or at the Willie Clancy Summer Festival, uh, which is represent wearing the t shirt at the moment, there he is, playing his pipes, striking a pose. Uh, they made a statue of him in Milltown Melbay. It's there now, it's great. Someone decided to put a fucking surgical mask on him there last week. <laughs> Um, a yeah, waste of a like so, <laughs> oh yeah we don't condone that sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> but I mean uh, humorously totally worth it yeah. uh, <laughs> so I made loads of friends there who were all into music that I was into and into kind of doing stuff that I was into so it's great the issue was that they were kind of scattered all over the place some of my best friends were in Castlewell and in Down and in Carrafin in Galway and yeah. in Clare and in Waterford especially in Ring but, so you were gigging with those like loads as a teenager and then you were gigging all the way through college and stuff as well but it's not just yeah. these session gigs that you play at there's like when people 
sometimes I think when people think of traditional music, like I have friends in the traditional music scene, so I know that there is a lot more opportunities out there for traditional musicians. But I feel like there's a little bit of a stigma sometimes. It's kind of like, oh, if you play a traditional instrument, you're just going to be playing in a pub at a session and that's where you're going to be playing. Or you might play some of the (laughs) RTE stuff and that's it. But like the like yourself, we were talking about the Landmark gigs earlier. You do, the Landmark would be quite a young pub, I would think, like on the corner of Camden Street. It's kind of bringing like that trad session to a younger crowd also you're playing the kaleidoscope sketch festival with leisha and co and then you not only that but you're over in it's one of my favorite gigs that <laughs> shoot me if i say this wrong l'oreal france L'Oreal, yeah yeah, yeah. Yes! Yes! <laughs> the crowd goes wild i never pronounce anything <laughs> correctly um, or if you want to say it in breton it's an orient an orient Harsh? yeah Yay, oh, yeah, fantastic. Ant, At the Inter-Celtic Festival. Yes. So tell us fun. about these other gigs you're doing. Like, So you're just saying there the Kaleidoscope Festival gig was one of the best gigs you ever did. Yeah, absolutely. This album, The Child Ballads. The Child Ballads is kind of a collection of songs that was made by one Mr. Child who had a first name as well, and he lived in the year of uh, Wikipedia. Hold on. <laughs> Child ballads. Anyway, he collected a load of mainly ballads, but songs from mostly Scotland, Northern England, and parts of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Here we go. He was born in 1860, but a lot of the songs are, you know, there would have been songs that would have been considered old when he went to collect them. So a lot of them are quite a bit older. And yeah, from Mix Argent. So what Leisha did was she kind of took a load of these songs picked a load of her favorite musicians, which is just a really interesting range of a few trad players and a few jazz heads and a lot of early music players and one electric guitarist as well. <laughs> just, um, just to add a bit of spice to the mix, you know? Just to add a bit of something to the mix, yeah. And oh yeah, one of the early music heads also plays banjo, uh, like a uh, five-string banjo and sings that sort of style too. Uh, so it's really interesting. So she brought us all together and kind of wrote arrangements on things or made situations to facilitate a nice arrangement happening, if that makes sense. So she mm. kind of gave us the bones of what to do and kind of it was it was a really fun experience because none of us had the whole picture of the thing except Leisha. Okay. Until the album came out. Um so it was it was kind of she masterminded it and She's she's on on all of the tracks anyway, playing the recorder or singing on one track and doing bits and bobs, and then she just got us to do our thing, which was great, and it was really a really nice co- collaboration actually. What was it like being a traditional player playing with jazz head? So, the improvisation bit part of the thing, which that there was plenty of improvisation going on, was a little bit scary to begin oh, with. Oh, I could say so. Because I'm used to playing tunes that I know and kind of playing them and going yeah. for it. Now, I do a lot of improvisation, actually, in the the regular income gigs, shall we call them, around Temple Bar and that, which is a plug-in, switch-off kind of a situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I had to improvise quite a bit. It was kind of grand because the melody was always there of the song because they were the child ballads there, particular mm-hmm. songs. And... Yeah, so it was really interesting. And I think I'd, 
a certain amount of advantage as well because we have to do a lot of collaborations in college anyway. So, for example, I played in the college's early music ensemble for the last two years of when I was there, maybe the last three years even, um, which was great, which is a thing that Leisha actually ran. Oh, so you met her through that? Met her through that, yeah, yeah. And actually some of the improvisation came from that sort of an angle as well, because there's a lot of improvisation in early music too. Yeah. Um, and all these improvisations are slightly different, you know, what we usually do in Irish music in terms of variations on phrases and stuff like this, and then what happens in jazz and what happens in early music. So it was interesting. It was one thing that college definitely did for me was kind of broaden my view of music. At the point that we made the album, I was kind of used to being thrown into a group with a funny combination of musicians and, and making something with it. But that Kaleidoscope gigs specifically you're saying was one of like the best gigs you ever did wow oh, yeah, it was fantastic why that so gig why that festival what we did for that was leisha was curating the series that yeah. time and uh this was essentially the album launch so the first half of the concert was all of us that were on the album doing our own thing fantastic. so for myself myself and alton o'brien who plays the fiddle on the album we did a trad set yeah um then there was some early music and there was some jazz and then in the second half what we did is we literally ran the album from the start through to the end and yeah it was just really really good yeah it was great to see everyone doing their own thing having collaborated with them met most of them for the first time during this album process yeah um now some of them i knew from before people like uh ushin walsh pilo who was uh, one of the singers on it he's uh, he's fantastic Oh, yeah, you've come yeah. across him. There you go. Yeah, oh, he's That's brilliant. When I first met him. He was in sixth year in school when I was in first year. And then we went to the same college as well. Yeah. Ended up going to the same singing teacher for a while, too. So Yeah, I met him gas. only, I think, once, but I've heard him singing a few times, but he's just, wow. Just... Oh, yeah, he's a lovely guy as well. Yeah. He's a great really crack. Mm. Um, so I knew him before, I knew Alton before, and I knew Leash, obviously, and the sound engineer we had, Ben Rawlins. He and Leash kind of run... Uh, this company called Jiggery Pokery Productions that have been doing really cool things. So this album, the, the two of them Jiggery were Pokery. really invo- involved. Say in. it again for me, Jiggery Pokery Productions. That's the one. Jiggery Pokery Productions. Jiggy. Follow them on Instagram. Follow, plug, <laughs> like lads, we have nothing else to do over the next little while. Just follow everyone on Instagram. Yeah, Keep up with what everyone's doing because... They're making some pretty fucking fantastic albums with a really wide range of musicians. So Excellent. definitely have a look. There's something in there for everyone. And yeah, the quality of what they make is just fantastic. Um, so the other festivals you played at... Um, the Inter-Celtic Festival. Tell us about that. What is the Inter-Celtic Festival? Because when I, the first time I heard about it was when I was looking up your own stuff. And I was thinking, was that like in Wales or Scotland or something? Like, was that kind of to do with all Celtic music? And then I was like, even France? What? Like, France? You've just angered a lot of Bretons. <laughs> oh, fair. Yeah, actually. So the Festival Inter-Celtic is a celebration of kind of the all the Celtic nations, which I think officially there are six, and then there's several Mini. Kind of nations that would be kind of associated, for example, um, oh yeah, this, the six main ones anyway are Ireland, Scotland, and uh, the Isle of Man, which is the, Cel- the Gaelic branch of the kind of Celtic language and culture, the Gaelic Celts. And then there's 
Brittany, Wales, and Cornwall would be the other three. So that's the main six, and they'd be the the Brittonic branch. Cornwall, yeah. Really? They have a whole language and a whole music and everything. This is madness. And it's really funny. Breton, Welsh, and Cornish are very similar. Irish, Manx, and Gaelic, uh, Scots Gaelic, Mm. are um, mutually intelligible when you're drunk. As I discovered at the Interceltique during a, a, one particularly fun conversation. Um, yeah, it's, re- it's really interesting. So it's those. And then there's also, there's two kind of, they're, they're not considered Celtic nations by some, but are by others in Spain, Galicia and Asturias. Asturias. Asturias and Galicia. So that's just the, the northwest coast of Spain, really. Mm. Um and it's just a festival, festival. year to bring them all together. Yeah. And, show off and it's mad. Roots. It's 10 days of just mental fun. There's all these national tents with gigs all day. There's workshops. There's loads of really crafty stalls, which were dangerous. Uh, <laughs> loads of nice food, loads of interesting. There's a video somewhere of me learning to pour uh Asturian cider, which you have to hold the bottle in this hand and hold it up there and hold the glass in this hand and hold it down here to aerate the cider. That's just how I pour it normally, to be that fair. That much, and uh, then you have to down it because once it's aerated, it's good for about 20 seconds. That just seems like a very nice cider, to be honest. Like, why oh, would you buy something like that? Absolutely feckin' fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice, yeah. Those 20 then, seconds are the best 20 seconds of my life. It didn't take me 20 seconds. <laughs> but uh, then Brittany is also a big region for cider. It's very, very good. Yeah. Um, so I was over there officially. Actually, I only had a day and a half of work to do because I was teaching okay. a master class and I was adjudicating the McCrimmon bagpipe competition. <laughs> the McCrimmon Cup is a really interesting thing. It's Highland pipes only. So Scottish Highland pipes, the type that when I say bagpipes, the picture that pops into your head, most of you them yeah um that's what's in the competition they have to play a breton set an irish set and a scottish set so, there's so it doesn't matter bands. where they're from they have to do all three doesn't matter where they're from they have to do all three cool. and there's we've everyone there's also there's australian representation they have their own national tent at this thing because immigration is a thing that happens uh, australia there's arcadie in canada had their own tent so there's quite a wide range of performers and the u.s as well so there's pipers from all over were there, really. That's fantastic. Um, so there were three panels and two adjudicators on each panel. And it just so happens the Irish panel always has a Highland piper from Ireland and an Illan piper. So I was the Illan piper on the panel for two years running, um, which was great. But uh, this competition, it started at two <laughs> o'clock in the day. And there were quite a few pipers in it, and they all had to play three sets, and they all got 10 minutes of onstage warm-up time for the pipes. It's a long which, day. Yeah, guess when we had the results? Um, the next day? Two days later? <laughs> oh, why wait? Midnight. <laughs> Jeez. Midnight. We literally, we all... Just kept on listening. At the end of our rounds, ranked our competitors, the competitors, we had to rank them, like, first to however many there were. So there was no... First, second, third, feck the rest of you. It was the first year I was there, it was first to 17th. So you have to rank them all, and it, was, it gets difficult towards the middle. The top is usually quite clear, the bottom is usually quite clear. And the <laughs> middle is really difficult. And then six 
results sheets all got fed into an averages machine and that's how they and then, then we had a whiskey reception and announced the winners very um, nice a great way to do it in my so when does this festival normally take place is it a year thing in august every year so maybe hopefully it might be back the first two weeks hopefully but actually that was just a competition that's why i was officially there to do the competition and teach the master class yeah the second year i had great fun because i was co-teaching the master class with paddy keenan Nice. <laughs> so the poster literally said Fiona Holloon and Paddy Keane and I didn't stop pissing myself off. <laughs> it was hilarious. He was like one of my big heroes. Because you're well. A. It's because of that A. It's the A, yeah, yeah. Al- yeah. Alphabetical order. Yeah. For um, those uh you can probably see it there. Fionn's name is spelled nothing like it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> um, like most Irish names, there is an A at the start of uh, you, name. And that is actually the starting letter. Exactly the way it pronounces. Oh no! If I tried to pronounce your name now, it would be <laughs> Oh Halmahain. Ah, yeah, but that's when you pronounce it with English phonetic rules, which is yeah, a exactly. mistake. <laughs> I don't. I don't abide by that culture. Don't miss <laughs> linguistic me. No, it makes perfect sense. The M H is there for for vowel modification. Mm-hmm. Um, all about that life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I, I had great crack for the festival because basically I had two days work and 10 days festival. It's a good place to be. So nice I was just be. going around playing tunes. I covered piping classes for someone uh, for the first half of one of the festivals because there was uh, something got delayed and whatnot. But it's great crack. And I had this, this l- like little pass. I could get into all the backstages and all the concerts that's fantastic. That's exactly what I did. I hung out with people, made a load of friends from the Isle of Man, um, played loads of tunes, and you'd always get kind of randomly asked to play on all these kind of just if you if you were hanging out in the Manx tent, they might ask you to come and do a set on the stage the next day or something like that. So, so it was like a big session for the whole day. for the whole festival, it's just people learning about Celtic mm. music, playing Celtic music with each other. Yeah, loads of Celtic crafts going around as well. I mean, it wasn't just music. There was loads of language workshops and things like that and loads of craft stalls, which were really cool. Loads of international food around, all of which was amazing and various lovely ciders and things. And um, do you think you'll be going back this year? If it goes, has it been cold yet? Or um, We'll see. We'll find out. I mean, mm. in, in my official... I wasn't there last year. I was there the previous two years. You're not allowed to adjudicate more than two years in a row to avoid brown yeah, paper things that happen. Yeah, which doesn't <laughs> happen. Um, to a, well, just to mix things up a bit as well. Yeah. Um, which is good. So I haven't been there since my term as an adjudicator, but I do hope to go back, absolutely. To be fair, just listening about this festival, um, It'd be nice to go over to a different place and see your culture being celebrated that isn't Absolutely. people and getting actually, really drunk at a parade. If anyone does want to go over, um, they do often look for people to do security work, as they call it, which basically, if you're in the Irish delegation, you're doing security work, but it involves is sitting in the porch of the accommodation for one shift every other day and just checking people's ID on the way in kind of thing. Um, it's Sounds quite like a... handy. You get your accommodation, you get three meals a day, and you get a pass for the festival. 
Wow. So, so how would someone is, figure that? How would someone get in touch one, to one sign would up to get Genepis? in touch with the chef de sécurité for the Irish uh, delegation, who is Quivian O'Kyla is his name, and he's he's often looking for people. Okay, so you can probably find him through the Inter-Celtic website, maybe. Um, I don't know. Have a Google. Have a Google. But he, if I, that, I that believe, information is there, ladies done, and folks. He's done work for Conor and Gaelge. Or if you, if you message me on, on Facebook or Instagram or somewhere, I'll put you on to him. Um, but they, they do tend to be looking for people. Well, I, I definitely think this is a festival that needs to be talked about more because I've never heard of it. I haven't heard about It's never been on... Oh, not like any. Maybe it's been on the news. I've never seen it on the news. It should be because mm. we're celebrating our culture in a different country, crap. and people aren't just getting drunk. They're doing crafts and playing music and learning about being Celtic and in or, and nutshell. just meeting people and having fun as well. Yeah, exactly. Bit, but you know, yeah. and eating loads of crepes. And oh, um, crepes! And I never crepe from Paddy Day. <laughs> mussels are a huge thing. In Fantastic. Is at least twice when I'm over there, at least you have to get des moules et frites. <laughs> oh, the fruit. Des moules the... et frites. Moules uh, <laughs> are mussels and, and yeah. chips. Oh, you just get mussels and chips? That's amazing. Mussels and chips, yeah. And they come out in this big. <laughs> what a way to wreck it. Yeah, just mussels and you chips. Just, you, just <laughs> <laughs> you just get a big pot of mussels. Like, it literally it comes out, it's a big pot and it's full of mussels. And it's great. And so lads, there you go. We are not making any money at the moment because <laughs> of the COVID-19. So here is a holiday that's going to pay you and be great crack. Like, they, they'll pay for you to be there. They won't. Yeah, obviously not your flights yeah. and stuff. But like your... No, no, yeah, yeah, no flights. Flights are covered. Charter flights. If you're working for security. It's actually, it's great fun. They just book a whole Aer Lingus flight. And it's the whole Irish delegation, which... Always involves at least one pipe band for the kids, uh, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, actually, my co-adjudicator one of the years, I have to tell you, the, he's fucking, he was hilarious. Andy was his name. Big guy from Belfast. He was hilarious. I met him the night before. Or I met him on a night during the festival before we had to adjudicate. And he kind of recognized me having been introduced to me, you know, on the way over. I said, hey, there, fun, yay, hey. This is backstage at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, See this adjudication thing. When you're adjudicating fun, there's three categories. Hey, three categories. I'm really sorry if I'm butchering I this love accent. This. this is great. This is what he sounded like at this hour of the evening. Category number one. Good. Good. That's category number one. Category number two, fun. Shit. That's category number two. Category number two, that's not good. That's shit. <laughs> category number three, as for special occasions only. Gob shit. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so that was, I'm not saying we had a system, but that's what he said to me when he was rather, rather intoxicated. <laughs> that was morning. the system of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> Just one, two, or three written beside each person who comes into the show. <laughs> well, he may or may not have, have kind of given me a bit of side eye during the competition occasionally and gone. <laughs>
there may have been one instance of him just kind of sitting back. He sat back in his chair. He didn't even, he wasn't even writing any more comments. He was just sitting back in his chair for most of this thing. He waited for the competitor to leave. And he just turned around to me and went. <laughs> well, we know where that one's going. <laughs> it wasn't category number one or two anyway. <laughs> oh, well, so this has been like you've been to Lorient. What's the furthest that your traditional music has taken you? China. China. Yeah. Oh I went my to China god. With a group for Wicklow County Council, there was a big tourism. For the Wicklow, Coun- Wicklow County Council sent you. Wicklow China. County Council. What? The Wicklow <laughs> County Council, like Wicklow, which is paired with Hainan, which is an island off the south coast of China. It's a very small region, you know. There's only 10 million inhabitants okay. <laughs> paired with Wicklow. <laughs> <laughs> just let that sink in <laughs> God. So um, anyway we had fucking great time there it was beautiful uh, it was some big tourism expo mm. we got to go to Hong Kong on the way as well so we played a concert in a, I think it was a music school in Hong Kong they played a concert of Chinese classical music and we played some Irish traditional music and it was great it's yeah. cool. but again it was a big international thing but uh, we got to stay in a really fancy two really fancy hotels and the weather was great and we got to see some nice things we got to see a Chinese opera we got a little tour around this movie village where they filmed loads of movies they have like the villages in two halves one is like a traditional Chinese kind of a looking thing and it's it's, it's all fake facades and stuff but it's it's yeah interesting stuff so China and the other place that maybe was even a bit cooler than that was I did a few gigs with the James Joyce Centre a couple right. of years ago um, for Bloomsday. Yeah. And one of them was at a festival, a literary festival, which took place on Tolstoy's estate in Yasnaya Polyana in Russia. <laughs> that was cool. That was, nice. I think that was a highlight. That was fantastic. I think that can really sum up the fact that traditional music is going to bring you far further appeal than mm. the pub down the road. I had to learn a load of songs by James Joyce for that one, though, some of which are difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a poet, to be honest. Like, he wasn't... He was a... He, he liked to take a load of words and put them in a blender and see what happens. Don't <laughs> 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 um, be saying I mean, that they're, 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 fan- back. <laughs> they're fantastic. I really enjoyed them. But uh, one of them, particularly, there's this song called The Ballad of Pierce O'Reilly, which is just... That was my challenge. To learn that for that gig and it's yeah still a party piece well what's um what's your plans for the like well i know things are kind of shut down now with covid19 mm. but you were saying earlier before we came on that you have some album stuff mm. that you're currently working on well what, what i was talking about was that i'm on that album with leisha o'brien yeah it's fantastic um Pluggity plug plug. That's good. Leash and Co. Everybody. Fantastic musicians on it. Uh, Eva Doyle from Bray, fantastic singer. Myself, Oshin Morrison, Alton O'Brien, Malachi Robinson, who's a fantastic bass viol player, a viola da gamba, which is an instrument that I wasn't familiar with. I, a viola da gamba. Viola da gamba. What is a viola da gamba? It's a really interesting like instrument. It's like an early music. Huh? 
like an alto bass almost no no viola viola yeah is is a viol so it's not a viola oh it's a slightly different family so they have like they're different you play them sitting up on your leg oh which is why it's called a viola da gamma and the bass one obviously is big so it it looks a bit like a cello but it isn't a cello it's got anything between five to seven strings it's got frets Whoa. And I found this instrument really fascinating, but you play it with a bow and you hold the bow underhand rather than overhand, which is the norm that you see for fiddles and stuff. Yeah. So you hold it this way around. And yeah, Tell so me how that work. And when I went into the studio on. and saw this for the first time, I was fascinated. And now I have one and I go to Malachi Star for lessons sometimes. Fantastic. <laughs> um, How's your playing going? Ah, good enough for the living room, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's really fun. Mm. So that's that's another thing that came out of making that album. But um, yeah, that's an album I recommend. And then I haven't got anything else recorded, but I may or may not be scheming. There might be something in the pipeline, so to speak. But if people want to keep keep up with like Irish sessions and stuff like that, they you be the man maybe to follow for that because you are constantly yeah. posting um if you follow me on twitter and facebook and instagram that's if there's anything going on that i'm talking about it's probably a good concert of some yeah sort. <laughs> and i must say actually on all of your um on all of your social media especially on facebook you speak I, irish i think i've been oh i speak irish yes yeah mostly so you on are social media yeah particularly on twitter Mm. my twitter is almost exclusively through irish that's what i was saying and on facebook you normally have the translation underneath for people who don't don't speak yeah. irish as well <laughs> i'm okay at like understanding a lot of irish it's just the fact of speaking it as you can see me speaking english a lot of the time can be an issue um so wrapping my tongue around irish or any other language has proven difficult but i'm good at understanding oh, I, it and i, think I want most irish people understand more irish than they give themselves credit for maybe yeah so if you actually just sat down try. and tried to listen to it you'd realize you understand a lot more there we go we have two weeks now guys how about our country learns our national language <laughs> our mother tongue for the cracks yes go on especially if you're into irish us. music because guess where they played them good irish tunes on the radio or <laughs> joe <laughs> <laughs> if we start like a skype quail talked we'd be we'd be laughing we'd be laughing but yeah, i want to I mean, ask you about how you feel the Irish language is being promoted because as passionate as you are about Irish music you're really passionate about the Irish language and there's more things coming out now like there's a couple of bars there's a bar on Harcourt Street that you can if you go into you have to speak Irish ah yeah that's been there for years I used to do a regular session there on a Friday night on a Friday it come back any other times it might it might come back it might not come back we'll see that but, well, uh, Hunra, Club Hunra and Agelga, yeah. Yeah. It's a great spot. And but I heard also, some drinks I are think, well cheap as well. Oh, yes, they're handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not they're not a tourist pub in Temple Bar, like, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think if you're into the Irish language and if you're based in Dublin or indeed any part of Ireland now, just go on your social media and look up the pop up Gaeltacht. Pop up Gaeltacht. What is the pop up Gaeltacht? I mean the handle on most of their social media is Bulan Nagel Lekele Idigtorna Con Ol like which is people Irish people or people interested in speaking Irish meet up in a bar, 
uh, to drink like so basically a bar gets picked and it's usually a, the one in Dublin the regular one is usually a Thursday and you'll walk into a bar and it'll just be packed full of Irish speakers just having the crack socializing there may or may not be music and what if someone's a little bit afraid of going in and, and haven't speak, spoken Irish in ages and wants to go and try it? Or is, is it an open environment there? Is it Absolutely. Kind of, it's if someone's an open struggling? environment. An open environment. And there's people with all sorts of levels of Irish go. And if you're feeling really nervous, just bring a friend. Yeah. Who's also feeling really nervous or not, you know, not necessarily. But you will definitely meet someone that is at your level or everyone is kind of willing to talk to you whatever level you're at yeah so it's it's a really positive environment and it's just social and kind of it's it's informal there's nothing you know no one's forcing anyone to speak irish or anything like that it just just, happens. just an opportunity to hang out and have That's to crack socially and informally and outside i think for a lot of people one of the biggest problems is that Irish is something they got within institutions mm -hmm. so in school or in college or in something like that where there's always someone watching you making sure you don't speak English and mm. um, so it's really nice for anyone who hasn't had the experience of meeting up with people and speaking the Irish language outside that sort of a setting this is one place where you'll you'll get that you can just give it a go and it's it can be a lot more fun yeah it's nice to see the, all these like things popping up, especially because, as you said before, that when you go in as like an as an Irish person, you go into school and you learn Irish, but you don't learn Irish like you would another language. They start teaching you the grammar and like the Mokanilok and all all this stuff really soon, and you don't actually just develop being able to talk in your own yeah. language. Like in a in a Gale school, it's different, but from going to an English primary yeah. school, it was very much like. This is how you write it. This is how you read it. And none of us could actually speak it at all. None of us could have a normal conversation in Irish. None of us could just sit down and talk about our day. Yeah, we I could think say that's... that what our parents do, but we couldn't just say like, ah, I need to go to the shop. And yeah, exactly. Myself, I, think, you know? and I think that's an issue that exists maybe um, because of the way the curriculum was, particularly yeah. I suppose when people around our age were in school, definitely that's what I can speak for because that was my experience. I don't mm -hmm. know. Apparently, it's changed a bit since. But yeah, I mean, you had a verbal exam or a, a, an oral exam, and the oral exam is something very formulaic where you learn off yeah. some speeches. Yeah. And that's not how you learn a language. I did French in school at the same time. And the French oral consists of you going in and chatting to someone for mm -hmm. a set amount of time, and they could talk about anything. Anything. Yeah, and that's the way you should. That's why you should judge a language. Which is brilliant. There was none of this shrapictory, which I always thought was, and you didn't have to go out of your way to put a feckin' proverbs into your yeah. speech, which is, I mean, some of the proverbs that I've come across are fantastic. But oh, I'm trying to artificially. Yeah, exactly. If there are, there's some stuff that you have to, like, Ermwind and Wicked try to get it into every yeah. other sentence. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> crazy. But I, I, I've come across some really nice ones, such as Chodivuin le Ludin on Fibra is one I always like, which means as that. useless as the Piper's little finger. Ludin well, honest, is your little I, finger. 
I have like a really disjointed finger because I uh, replaced saxophone and my hands are too small when I started it. So I can't, I can't bend it like a normal, like it just flicks whenever I try to like normally bend it. It just pops out. Okay, that's interesting. I, I can kind of pop yeah, it no, my little it, finger as well. But, yeah, loads of people like, can pop it, but I just can't like normally curve it without it's just like jumping. That's really interesting. And is that one of the fingers you use that you have to yeah, stretch? Yeah, for, for my like lowest key on the sax. So I'd like st- stretch it down and my hands weren't as big as they were now when I started. And I used to play tenor as well. So it's just, oh, it just doesn't, doesn't curl <laughs> nicely. It just pops. Um, yeah, I've actually, I've... This is the first time I'm actually able to show anyone this. I've told you about my weird pinky a few times. So there you go, lads. That's, that's that there. Now we know. Now um, we know. But what do you there's... think of new people who are coming out sorry to jump across but the new people are coming out like the likes of kneecap have you heard of kneecap no i haven't you should definitely look up kneecap kneecap are a rap group from northern ireland and what i was saying before with you you learned the language and you're so passionate about the language because it's part of your identity it's it's part of who you are as a person and it's the same with kneecap they're releasing um rap songs like kiarta like half their rap songs are in irish it's almost like they're bringing irish to the northern community as well and to be honest they're they're very uh, political they're very republican and they want the whole united ireland idea of united ireland like one of their songs is called get the brits out um i mean that's that is what it is but it's it's Great to see that anyone is using the Irish language mm. in their own medium to express themselves. Yeah, and, and I think it's they wanted this to be uniquely Irish rap, and to make it Irish rap, they they created it in Irish. They mm. wanted it to be for their people, and they wanted like to show people that this language is is be able, It's not just for like schools not just for like casual conversation and no like these guys are talking about doing md and being caught by the guards and like all these things normal all in teenager Irish. things yeah like the normal <laughs> things that a teenager like one but like you know well, like a hard yeah. teenager would go through and um but their they're showing that you can do this yeah and like probably um yeah, and what do you think of these people who are coming out now who are trying to bring Irish to another means? Are you like, oh, like, yeah, full steam ahead, whatever you're doing with Irish, just keep going? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're using Irish to express yourself and your own views and whatever it is you want to express, then go for it. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, if anything, for the Irish language, it just shows how living a language it is how viable a means of communication it is and you can explore all these beautiful things of the Irish language like the way you express yourself is different in every language I, mm-hmm. I speak four of them so I, I I can kind of speak about this a little bit yeah de- um seriously just all the, the way the way sentences hang together in English and German for example is completely different a lot of the time in German the active word the verb comes at the end which when you're speaking dramatically, and if you read German poetry, this is a big feature, the whole tension of the sentence is carried through and at the end, you find out what the sentence is about. That's cool. Things like this. So every language has its different, is really a completely different means of expression. Mm. But there's just loads of these little subtleties and it's it's just a really nice thing to explore. Mm. Just expressing yourself in a different language doesn't just mean different words and different sounds. It also means... A different structure to what you're saying yeah and it, oh, it's kind of nice i really what 
what would you uh, like i'm going to ask you two more questions now because i'll let you go um keeping you for a while jeez um, but i'll ask you two last questions one what it is what is it about irish music and the irish language that still that is so resonates so much with you like what is it about those that that style of music and the the language that has pulled you towards it so much that you've really built up your whole career around this identity of being strong and being irish okay i mean i think for the language it's quite a simple fact it's my first language it's what i grew up speaking it'd be Mm. weird if that wasn't what i did but then i suppose it connects into the music in that i i sing a lot and a lot of what i sing is in irish because that's kind of the literary tradition that's there that's another thing that i think you don't tap into in schools nearly enough is the whole rich literary tradition that's there you do a bit not enough not enough and especially you don't really study the classic poets i mean you go to you can go all the way through school and never hear about a guy called raftery never heard of him or antona or raftery he's like he's the irish schiller he's the irish shakespeare and no and one knows his name you no one who doesn't sing channels like or who isn't into the old literature and it's poets like that that you know just kind of get overlooked um but yeah, so, so I think that's kind of one of the things that really ties in the music and the language for me. The other thing is that music generally, the rhythms that you get in music in different national musics, and this even goes for uh, classical music, actually, if you're trying to distinguish the French Baroque style from the Italian Baroque style and the German Baroque style of Western art music, a lot of the rhythm comes from the natural speaking rhythms of yeah. texts in that language yeah actually, so an awful lot of music is also you know it's set to the way we talk poetry and songs yeah so in ireland you know one of the most famous types of tune we have is the jig mm. and right mm. enough if you go into a lot of irish poetry it's i mean you so can, it's you going can as a jig you can represent different languages without without actually saying any words by just the speech rhythms. So um for example, this is one language. German. German. Yeah. Bang on. And then <laughs> New Game Lads, COVID nineteen <laughs> game. <laughs> language Figure right. Figure out the language or you know. <laughs> Yeah, so in Irish, we have things, or if you take polkas in Kerry, I find them interesting because everyone says they're like polkas. They're a dance type from Poland. If you listen to some Polish polkas and compare mm-hmm. them to some Irish polkas, you'll find that there's there's quite a bridge to be built there before you can compare the two. Um, however, if you take some Irish songs that happen to sit in that sort of a rhythm, there's a song called Avami Nachtu and Clyro, which I always play for my students when I'm teaching them how to play polkas. Um, I, I don't know the words of it. I never learned the song. I just listened to it loads. The best recording that I know of it is a recording of a guy called Laura So Kylet that I recommend. But it, it goes, it's Avami Nachtu and Clyro, da 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 da
directly from the yeah yeah and it's it's i think it's that sort of conversational lyrical aspects of irish music that really draws me to it because you know a lot of people say oh it's very repetitive and that um it just means more people can get involved you're never you're never really just playing the notes and rhythms that are on the page you're never playing one two three four five six one two three four five six one two three four five six you're kind of playing whatever feeling and thought and expression is going through your head while you're playing this so which which is why every phrase is different every time you play it and you know and if you're playing with people then it becomes a conversation and there's more than one person mingling into the whole thing that and so that really attracts me i think it just feels like a really natural means of expression for me I never looked at Irish music that way. Like I'm, I'm quite a fan of Irish music. I really, really like Irish music, especially just because of, you know, big Irish, proud mm. person. Um, but I never looked at it in that way. Well, as seeing it, because now that you've pointed it out, I don't think I'll ever be able to not hear a conversation Excellent. in Irish music again. <laughs> because I'm just thinking about all the stuff that I'm currently, because I, I teach tin whistle as well, and. Li- I'm, I'm lit, like I'm playing through the songs that I've been teaching and I can hear the conversations like I can so that's mad I never thought of it that way I mean loads of it is set to words and the way we stress words really yeah. works um, for example in Irish if you're actually poetry it's not poetry if you're rhyming in Irish you don't rhyme the end of the word like you do in English yeah yeah you know in English if something rhymes then it rhymes because times um, mm-hmm. you know the end of the word is the same. In Irish, it's different. You rhyme the middle of the word. Yeah. You rhyme the longest vowel sound. So, for example, I will on vive of Chimacron de Lee, who is the Cravish Sheen de Vivon the Doom. Yeah. That's where the rhyme it's is. It's a different rhyming that scheme. really affects the way we choose to play rhythms. Yeah. So, for example, if you take a really well known song, I'll never be able to unhear that now. Yeah. Just thinking about like... Yeah. And if you... And then like it's like the it is the response of that other person. I know it's an AABB kind of format, but Exactly, yeah. But also it's I mean, I was looking at there's this guy, Harry Bradley, fantastic flute player, if you want to check him out. He's very humorous on the old Facebook as well. <laughs> a post when the panic buying was kind of at its climax to saying, for all those panic buying, I'd just like to remind you that the full range of my albums is available in Cata Records. <laughs> <laughs> He's a funny guy, but uh, he was, he, he can get a bit philosophical at times as well. And he wrote a Facebook post one time saying, oh, people ask me sometimes, what am I thinking about when I'm playing music? And he was kind of saying, I think about uh, 
how that coffee was earlier, why that dog smells so weird over there in the corner, and whatever the fuck, really. I'm saying that what you're occupying your mind with at the time, or what you're feeling at the time, bleeds into your music. And that's where the expression happens. Okay, I, I, uh, I wish I'd asked this earlier, because this the whole conversation about uh, conversational music is very, very interesting. But... So we have, we're going to be stuck inside probably for the next little while. Uh, no work yes. and whatnot. Yes. So <laughs> one last thing we like to hear on the Making a Music podcast is we like to ask people for their Desert Island discs. So five Ooh. songs or five albums. I don't ask this at the beginning because I don't want, like sometimes I ask at the beginning, it really depends. Uh, depends on my member. Mm. But five songs or albums could be a mixture between songs and albums that you feel have to go off well actually in quarantine with never mind it's not even a desert <laughs> island it's just quarantine so you have Dude. five albums to last you COVID-19 is taking over touch wood for the rest of our lives and you <laughs> are stuck with these five albums touch right. wood I'm literally touching everything last right now jeez everything here's made of <sighs> <laughs> Famous Ennis, The Return from Fingal. Nice. Fingal, one of those. Uh, Willie Clancy. Of course. The Gold Ring. Uh, Hans Hotta and Gerald Moore's recording of Schubert's Song Cycles. Excellent. Um, it'd probably have to be a really good recording of Bach's St. John's Passion. Okay. Um piece of music how many are we out there now four that's four so you got your last oh, there's not enough <laughs> YouTube album <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> oh Quivin O'Reilly and Brennan Begley that album that it's album on Spotify as well and of course Leisha and Co what's the title of your title of yet? course well that's, Children that's of... one I would recommend to everyone yeah. the Child Ballads Child Ballads which can be found a guy called Bank Child not, not Ballads for Children because some of them are definitely not Child <laughs> <laughs> which can well, be found I, I think it's on Bandcamp definitely on their website yeah on I, the, I listened on Bandcamp productions. anyway yeah Excellent. well yeah. thank you so much Fionn for coming on you have been brilliant thank you so i like so much information i'm gonna i'm never listening to irish music the same again um <laughs> mission accomplished <laughs> i would love for you to play us out with something if you would be willing if you'd like to play us a wee bit of a tune for the saint patrick's day no worries if not uh, otherwise yeah, yeah. Well, listen i'll play you a tune on the flute now and excellent Go for the big guns. I'll tune up the pipes and play a tune on that. I have to change chairs because this one has armrests. No worries at all. Um, at all. We'll see how well or poorly this comes out now through uh, Zoom. Sure, we'll figure but, it out uh, as we go I'll along. Also, uh, I might send you. I, I'm going to ask Leisha for permission, and then I might send you some tracks off the. Album. Definitely do. Definitely, then definitely have some do. Nice, good quality sound recordings <laughs> to splice in at your leisure. Well, I, while you set up, I'm just going to uh, shout out to the Dublin School Music again, who normally, who always help us out with these podcasts. Uh, even though we're separated, they're still helping us out. Thank you so much, Dublin School Music, for sponsoring this podcast. And to you guys who are out there quarantined in your houses, look after each other, look after the elderly and the sick. Don't be afraid to drop 
groceries into older neighbors and stuff when they can't do it themselves just drop it on the doorstep you don't have to be going in looking for a cup of tea or anything wash those hands be sensible don't be doing play dates and parties and stuff like that we need to nip this all in the bud the sooner we all are more clever about it and start washing our hands and keeping to ourselves the sooner we'll be out of it so let's just all think smart here. Look after each other. Look after yourself. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. You finally got to see what this god-awful face looks like. And yes, thank you. Fionn O'Halloon is going to play us out. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I hope you guys are enjoying a very nice, small fun. <laughs> But thank you so, so much, Fionn, for coming on. Everyone, make sure you check out Fionn O'Halon. It's H, capital A L M H I A N for his name. A I N. A I N. Oh, did I say I A N? Sorry, A I N. Um, <laughs> you can see the little box there as well on the video, and I'll be tagging him on everything in Facebook and Instagram. And there. Oh God, I spam my mic again. I'm so... (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Fiona. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Play us out, darling. Happy St. Patrick's Day. So this is a a version of the dawning of the day that most of you probably won't know. And then I'll play something after. I don't know what. But here it goes. Put this so you can see the pipes a little bit. What I had to do with my students earlier. So... Thank you.